Yeah, because I don't know where he's going to start that. I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Sprocket Podcast, where we are simplifying the good life. I'm Armando Luna. We're broadcasting from our homes here in Portland, Oregon, nestled in the heart of Cascadia. And I'm Aaron Flores. This is the show where we bring you somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of thinking locally with a global perspective and enjoying the best that life has to offer along the way. We covered bicycling, trains, and transit, infrastructure, adventures, and today our guest is Trevor Spangle, race organizer and poet. Trevor or curator. Is, yeah, yeah. Trevor race curator is the, uh, and poet. Trevor is the uh, organizer of the Swift Summit 100-200. It's a race out of Lebanon, Oregon. Yes. One that you, you've done twice before, right? I've done it twice now, yeah. Yes. Are you, and are you going for a trifecta? I'm going for the trifecta. So the first year nice. I did it was totally on a lark. Uh, didn't really train for it. Uh-huh. Rode my Fargo with mountain bike tires. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> and uh, I did it. I finished. So, uh-huh. And I said I wouldn't do it again. But you did. And I, I did it again. I wanted to beat my time. I was uh, DFL. It's just, I don't mind being DFL. I just want to be have a better time sure uh, and time in person and a better time riding it actually <laughs> <laughs> didn't you flat out like towards the end too yeah my my tires started coming apart but i didn't realize that and so i kept getting flats and then i realized oh my tire has a big hole in it the tire itself the tire itself oh, wow. so i booted it with a five dollar bill and And so the second time you didn't do it on your Fargo with the moment. No, I got it. I got a rope. I can do it on. It's um, much better. I beat my time. So, so it, it does make a difference to some extent? Well, I trained the second year also. <laughs> okay. I did the uh, okay. um, Lattice Bike Sponsored a Century Curious where they train right. every week. You right. know. So once doing that, it totally helped out. I So after... I don't. I don't want to bring this up too much, because I. I feel like I. I run the risk of talking about the same thing too many times, but after doing the adventure ride with uh, Bike Park Northwest, mm-hmm. uh, the forty some miles on on the fat bike, wow. I think I could do a hundred miles on on my disc trucker. Oh, I think I could do it. Yeah, you would definitely have to train. You have to train. You, you know, you're sitting for a long time. That's the one thing, and then the hills. Yeah, uh, and I and think the those are the things like, I forget about. You know, and I hate I, them, and I blink that out. <laughs> I only want to do it if I can also have my handlebar bag in my saddlebag. Oh, you can totally do that. Yeah. Yeah. Fully loaded. What? Oh, you're gonna fully load it? You, you're not gonna <laughs> want to fully load it. <laughs> You could do it. It could be done. You're going to start a new Clydesdale class. There you go. Your bike has to weigh 40 pounds or more. (laughs) Uh, So what'd you get up to this weekend, Armando? This weekend? Nothing. I sort of laid low. Um, 
uh, I didn't do anything, I don't think. I did uh, some yard work. I did some yard work. Perfect opening for you to talk about Saturday. Saturday. The party pace thread? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that was this weekend? Wow. I know. Um, <laughs> I guess so. I guess that was two days Today's ago. Only Monday yeah, too. I know. Oh my gosh, it seems so far away. Oh, so yeah. So Saturday we had uh, the bike park group uh, hosted a party pace ride. So it was more of a social ride around town. Um, I think there were about. I kept counting. I kept losing count. I think there were about fourteen people total. Uh, yeah. That went on the ride, and uh, it was super fun. Uh, I got to meet some new people. That's that's my favorite thing so far. Uh, about doing these rides with the bike park people is uh, meeting new people. Uh, so that's been yeah. really good and making friends with them, um, which is what I'm all about, making friends. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was a nice route. We um, went up to Cully Park and learned more about that. And uh, it was a good time. And the weather got nicer as it ended, but uh, I enjoyed myself. Did you enjoy yourself? Oh, totally. I... I wish I had brought more of a picnic to sit down and hang out with people. Yes. I did feel like at one point, cause you were standing there with <laughs> me, like we were like the too cool for school crowd. Oh, oh is I didn't totally, think that. It's yeah, totally not. Yeah. Okay. It's totally not like what, what I feel like I am the <laughs> one. No, I didn't feel that way. I, okay. I don't think well, that's, that's good. Maybe it's just internal then. But yeah, good time. A really great time uh, having coffee with you and Greg afterwards. Yeah, that too. was fun. Like so getting yeah, to know Greg. A sort of, uh, I don't want to call it normal. A sort of uh, <laughs> a social well, a social opportunity yeah, that we took I, advantage I, of. I wouldn't call it normal in any, in any sense either because normally... <laughs> We wouldn't, we wouldn't be having coffee like outside on this, on the sidewalk. Like, like we would, like probably we'd be sitting inside, mm -hmm. you know, settled around a table. That's and, the one thing about, um, this whole quarantine and COVID that I have been really enjoying that it's made it, uh, I don't want to say acceptable, but much more common of people eating and drinking outside. Oh, totally. You know, totally. it's just like, I, I much would rather you know, if you're, especially if you're out riding, I'd much rather grab some food from someplace and take it someplace and eat it and not necessarily yeah. have to eat it in a restaurant. Yeah. I mean, I, I generally don't have too much of a problem having my burrito and sitting on a, on a street curb somewhere mm -hmm. eating it. But, uh, I, I am glad that it's more socially acceptable Yes, that I, I feel less alone. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, after that ride, I've started thinking about filling out a rider profile for them. Oh yeah. You should totally do that. I, should I, I, I did uh, one a long time I'll, ago. I'll send you. Yeah, yeah. Yours was like one of the first ones they published. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll send you, I'll send you my first draft maybe. <laughs> okay. It's what a treat. Well, welcome Trevor. Thanks. Welcome to the show. Trevor, remind me, you're a teacher? Yeah. I'm yeah. Well, I'm in education. Uh, oh, okay. So I do a little bit of special education and then uh, right on. a little bit of um, 
my title is Dean of Students. That sounds fancy. That does. Sound <laughs> oh fun. yeah, it does. Sound yeah. Kind of yeah. some client culture behavior support, and then just some special education case management. Well, it yeah. sounds like a lot of responsibility. Dean of it's Students. It's a little bit. Uh, I mean, it's kind of hard to. Um, I can't really say what I do after COVID, right? It's been right. like a year and a half of like education and yeah air quotes right <laughs> i'm kind of looking forward to next year to getting back in the, the groove I, I don't want to say what's normal but um it's at least kind of like more what you know right yeah it's yeah. not like borderline mutiny all day long <laughs> <laughs> i work in uh transportation for the school district and uh i'm usually the one uh fomenting the mutiny yeah that's right and that's how you knew brock right yeah 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 um that's sweet what did you do when schools were closed down uh we pivoted to delivering uh foods to families you know uh because uh with uh lunches for like families in in need uh that was always done like through the schools, right? Um, right? You know, schools were often used as sort of pick up and drop off areas for those kinds of things. And so to kind of like keep people from all gathering in one spot like that, they, we uh, pivoted our, our drivers into delivering all that stuff out. Um, and so anything that, that we could deliver, you know, whether it be you know, food or lunches or, um, you know, or, uh, like curriculum or even technology. Cause when they went to like online only that left a lot of families kind of in the lurch. Cause there's still surprisingly a large number of families in Portland that don't have access to reliable internet. So yeah. It was a there was a time where we were just delivering hotspots and computers everywhere. Yeah, that. Um, now that I think about it, that's what transportation services here did. How they pivoted, which is, I mean, it was cool, right? It's like yeah. how can they fill a need, or how can they fill fill a need. Um, it's funny though when I think about it in Corvallis, it's <laughs> like very easy to navigate. We're gonna go over here. I can't. <laughs> I can't imagine what that took to set up in Portland. <laughs> it, it took some doing. Uh, I would say there was a good three weeks where it was just like the first day of school for three weeks. <laughs> you know, like just the chaos of like people coming in going like, okay, where am I supposed to drive? And you like give them some sort of like, hey, pick up over at this high school and, you know, deliver to those addresses. And, you know, like I would say for three weeks, we weren't even sure like any of the addresses were correct. A lot of the addresses, like, you know, a lot of those people moved or had gotten uh, moved out. A lot of people, um, yeah, just were at different places. A lot of those addresses weren't even correct in our system, you know? Yeah. Wild. Do you yeah. drive? I do. Um, well, so my main job is radio and dispatch. Okay. So, uh, I normally am kind of the eye in the sky watching everybody as they move along through the city. Mm -hmm. 
um, and then advising and stuff like that. Um, but I'm still a licensed driver. And so there was, there are times where I will still like go out and cover a route if, if needs be. The bat signals in the air. Aaron comes out. <laughs> I, that's right. I've I've told people like because I was a driver for a good number of years before I pivoted into uh, dispatching, and you know so there's a few families that would recognize me, and I would tell them like, if you see me out there on the road, you know we're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> why don't you uh, Why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Trevor Spangle. Um, I live in Corvallis, Oregon, and uh, what is my title of, of the Swift Summit? Uh, me and when I send off emails to big places, I have to say, like, owner-operator. Um, I think I just kind of get to be the the ship steer. I don't know. It's kind of... I was going to say director. Director works. Curator. Okay. <laughs> I'm the like, curator's kind of in that art world. Um Let's go with curator for now. Okay. Maybe then cool. Conversation will. Well, I think I think curator fits, um, and we'll talk more about that later on because I'll, I'll tell you what I think of the Swift Summit. Um, but first, we want to hear some stuff from you. Um, yeah. So the Swift Summit is back on this year. It was uh, postponed from last year, correct? Yeah, there was a um, there was a pandemic that hit the world. Uh huh. So we had to uh, pull the plug on it. <laughs> it seemed to make the most sense. Yeah. We're back on for this year. Good. There's, there's still a pandemic though. In there's case. still a pandemic. Yeah. I'm, and I'm not actually sure how they defined, how they would define the end of that. I don't know what the rules are for that. I'm not sure. I don't know. I think we're all just waiting for Dr. Fauci <laughs> to call it, essentially. <laughs> yeah, so we're back. Oh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I was just saying we're back on for this year. It's kind of really exciting. It's just been this, uh, I mean, it'll essentially be like two years, right? Um, probably the longest two years of my life. Hmm. Yeah. That's what it seemed like. So I'm really excited to, to be able to come back together with everyone. In a different way, though. What so, were some of the accommodations you've had to make, I guess, to make this this event? Uh, uh, or were there any, I should say, like that you had to make to make this event more COVID friendly? For this year? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, guidelines from like Oregon Health Authority. Um it's kind of interesting living in both worlds of like education and there's like the state, like uh, you might, you might know it better than I know. Aaron. it's like ready, ready learners or something like that is the education guidelines for COVID. And then, um, you know, for other, for like businesses and outdoor recreations and churches and stuff, it's like, there's this whole matrix. Um, as of right now, you know, you can be outside um, with people and kind of the larger the space, the better. Uh, don't be rubbing, you know, boogers all over each other. Um, That's the thing I miss most about pandi- the pandemic, really. Pre-pandemic life was the yeah. sharing of boogers. Sharing of boogers. Um, aid stations are like touch-free, uh, so that's going to look a lot different. Um, you know, coming in, like, it, just as much... 
no touch as <laughs> much no touch as possible is kind of the the name of the game right now um i'm i'm actually kind of intrigued uh i haven't i haven't done any events yet this year or last year um and there's a couple coming up that will be involved in so it'll be i'm kind of excited to like go see how people are sort of running their ships you know and get some ideas that way so yeah because there's other biking events that have already happened right some some races and other things yeah yeah there was a lot there's still some events last year that had to happen or didn't have to happen but were able to happen um with, with some strict protocols in place um you know i feel really lucky that um swift summit kind of gets to be like a hobby for me um you know it's not it's not necessarily my bread and butter uh and like last year some friends that organize events like it is their their steady you know it's oh, the wow. regular um and that was i imagine a very stressful time for them you know like how are we going to pull this off um especially with like metrics changing so quickly as they were last year and um kind of the rules and regulations and stuff so yeah um some people kind of have a jump start even on this year now because they they were the pioneers last year going forward so so trevor talk about talk about the swift summit 100 200 what exactly is it is it a race would you call it a race what is oh, it? oh yeah oh man um so the swift summit uh i think a long time ago when we first started uh i think i coined it as like uh part part race part brevet part grand fondo part self-supported endurance ride and it's kind of a mashing of all those different cycling disciplines um i think at that time when when i was sort of scheming the idea of it um maybe it's kind of just on the shoulder of like this idea of really wanting to like sort of race bikes um or like get into that specific racing scene i was enjoying just like riding bikes with people but i also was enjoying going to events and like kind of pushing myself hard and in a way it was sort of i guess trying to find my own identity like in the midst of all that um and personally i just found that like being able to sort of live in all that was was the most kind of true to myself in a way like and brought the most joy and stuff and um i don't think there's i don't think there's a reason to believe that kind of all don't have a little bit of that need in all of us you know um and so i started to try to just make this event that like was welcoming and inclusive for everyone that like if people wanted to come out and race bikes really 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 fast for like 200 miles or 100 miles they could do it if they wanted to come out and just try to like set a personal record cool if they wanted to just like show up um i think someone on instagram last week commented on your that you rode in a button-down shirt armando you know so someone wants to show up and just ride in a uh button-down shirt or what's um uh um, oh gosh, I'm drawing a blank now. Uh, pathless pedaled, right? They're saying like party pace or whatever, you oh, know, yeah. you want to come out and party pace, just like everyone can get together and, and do that. So, um, that's what I was trying to put together was, was just an opportunity for that. At the same time, um, my background prior to being a teacher was in like, uh, creative writing, fine arts stuff. And, um, 
I was finding that I, I just didn't have as consistent of an outlet for that, um, that I would like to have. And so I was able to start incorporating some of, uh, my creative writing degree skills and, um, sort of passion around, uh, around that into the event as well. So it kind of became a, a, an expressive outlet for me in that way. Yeah, that's good because, so when you first said, uh, you, a curator, it totally, totally fits because I, I think of, um, so the, the Swift summit was probably my first, well, it's definitely my first century, but my first, uh, I'm going to say ride against time, right. You know, where there was a, a time, time, time clock, time limit, whatever. Uh, so, you know, that made me a little nervous about it. Um, but, the, the, but the thing I, the thing I enjoyed about it was, uh, was the other things that you introduced, um, the poetry, you had poetry, a lot of poetry in your, in your emails, in the email that went out to everybody, um, in the meetings that you had, the welcome meetings and, the uh, intro meetings. Um, and then also the thing I enjoyed about it, uh, that you had introduced were the, um, gosh, what do you call it? The, uh, the letters we wrote to each other. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, encouragement letters. I'll call them that. Cause I don't think that's what you called them, but they were, you know, encouragement letters. How would we encourage somebody anonymously to, uh, yeah, the, ride the their pen ride? Pal letters. yeah, yeah. The pen there we go. Um, Wait, can you say it again? Pen pal. Oh, okay. Awesome. What, what did it sound like? Oh no. I just, I honestly didn't hear it. Oh, oh so, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The pen pal letters, uh, those are really fun. And, uh, I really, kind of like the opportunity to be the one who reads them all. <laughs> um, it, it actually is like a really, um, it, it's pretty moving. Like, it's like, whoa, uh, the, just to be able to, so I guess for people listening, like how it works, uh, participants of the event can opt into this or not. Um, but you just check a box and say, I want to write an anonymous letter of encouragement as Armando was saying to like another participant. Um, and in return, I would receive, I would receive, and a letter of encouragement as well. Um, and so for example, Armando wrote a letter to someone he didn't know who was going to, and it comes to my house and I get to read it. And I think the first time I did it when there wasn't that many, I was kind of thinking, I kind of had in mind like, Oh, this letter would be good for this person, you know, cause I've just been able to sort of establish relationships with people about like through this event. Um, like people just share with me, like what their goals are, like what they're struggling with. Um, or like what they're nervous about. So like, oh man, this letter would be really good to go to to this person, you know, or, or vice versa. Um, and then like the second time we started doing it, there's just a lot of people signed up and it became a matter of like open one, read it, uh, find another one, read it and swap them, you know, cause there's a self-addressed stamped envelope and stuff in there. So um, yeah, the pen pal letters, they're really fun. How many, Folks, would you say, like percentage-wise, of the of the participants uh, opted into that? Oh, I'd probably say like thirty percent. Oh, good. That's a good number. That's a pretty good chunk. Yeah, yeah a pretty good chunk. Because how many how many people riding all together it was like almost three hundred, right? Um. Oh man, I'd have to go look. Uh, no, we didn't hit three hundred yet. I'd oh. like to hit three hundred. Okay. Uh, we were on trajectory, and then uh, I'm not sure if you heard there was a pandemic there. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, was that keep, last year? I keep hearing about 
say I, they call it COVID-19 because uh, it was the year 2019. So. Um, well, Speaking of, of numbers, what are the projections this year? Well, uh, I guess before that, um, anybody who signed up last year, uh, what was their status? Yeah, so last year when the decision was made to just roll over, well, to postpone the event, um, you know, some other events were just doing full refunds, um, some we're opting like you can donate or whatever. And um, that's a lot to manage for one person to try to sort all that stuff out uh, yeah. and keep track of it. So um, I ended up just saying, Hey, we'll like roll forward um, everyone to next year, you know, and your registration just stands. Um, did like a little care package for everyone that had been signed up and like made this kind of um, silly shirt where, there's like a uh, a mask that had the Swiss Summit logo on it, and it said, you know, this gives me more time to train or something like that. Nice. People got a shirt that said that. Um, some cool, like, jersey wallets, waterproof jersey wallets from Dispatch Bikes. And um, what else is in there? Oh, some other goodies. So we just rolled everyone forward. And um, I think at that time, I mean, registration only been open for about a month and a half. And there was about... 100, 125 people, I think, that were signed up. Maybe less than that. I'd have to go look. But, yeah, so everyone's rolled forward, and um, people are starting to sign up now. So it's really exciting. I I, um, I haven't been able, I guess, to figure out quite um, how, how the flow of registrations are going this year. Like, you know, we used to – in the past, we would do these like registration parties. I think, I think Armando, you came to one at Gladys Bikes mm-hmm. in Portland. Um, in a way, they're kind of just like a book tour, maybe like a rock and roll tour. Um, get like a, a bunch of different bike shops. Um, uh, we did one like in Eugene at Co Motion Bikes, and people would come, and it was just sort of like a, a social hour, happy hour, if you will. And kind of just talked about the event, answered questions, and then like let people register. And that was always fun because it was cool to to see friends come together. It was cool just given that like, you know, when I started Swiss Summit, I was living in Portland, then I moved to Salem, I was in Corvallis, and so um, had made a lot of like good cycling connections and all the, all those places. So for me, it was just fun to like go see friends and and kind of get stoked for the event for the year, you know. Um, and we haven't had the chance to do that this year. And it's just weird because everything, I mean, everything being digital is really great because it keeps us from getting sick. Um, But it's also just harder to communicate, you know, like everything's just sort of impersonal, like going out on Facebook and sending out emails and stuff. And it's just like, who, you know, I don't know. It's weird, like Wizard of Oz behind the curtain type thing. Sure. Yeah. This also comes after a year of kind of being fatigued by all of that anyway. Right. Yeah. Um, And another thing I noticed, I mean, I don't, I don't claim in any way to have like the, like a master's degree in advertising or social media type stuff. Um, But, you know, for about a year, like wasn't that so somewhat like went offline, but it, it just took a nap, right? Um, like, I I just did not feel that it was my position to, it just felt very vain 
to like continue to blast people with like event, event, event when it's like your family's sick or like your friends are dying. Like it just, I didn't, I didn't feel like it was my place to add any noise to like the chaos that was already occurring, you know? Right. Um, so sort of just like took a back seat and then, you know, having, um, I guess coming back online now, it's like, Whoa, like social media is operating in this totally different way. Like, I mean, I, you know, I understood like Instagram stories and then transfer over to Facebook and blah, 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 blah. Uh, but just seeing how people are using them now and it's just so much like faster paced and people are just getting information so quickly. Um, it's made it like, I don't know. It feels very, uh, it feels like Swift Summit's almost antiquated in a way. <laughs> I kind of like it, you know, like, um, but it's but it's just made things different. I think uh, I think I would say to that also, uh, for a lot of us that are maybe extroverted, the social media pretty much got us through the last year. I mean, without social media, it, I you know what would have happened? Who knows? Right. So, you know, when we, when we extroverted people see things happen on social media, it's like, oh yeah, that, and it makes us excited and it makes us, you know, mm -hmm. this is happening again or, you know, whatever. Totally. Um, but it's also weird. And I'll t tell a little story. Aaron and I were with another friend this weekend. We had did a social ride um, and we stopped to get coffee afterwards and we were outside the coffee shop at a table and a friend of mine walked by and I hadn't seen her for a while. And so we were chatting and I really had to think really, really hard about each person's name to be able to introduce <laughs> That's <them. right. laughs> mm -hmm. It was really difficult. I mean, <laughs> I sort of was looking at her talk she was talking to me and I sort of blanked out for, you know, four seconds as I thought this person, this person, Aaron, Greg, you know, to introduce them. <laughs> Because yeah. uh, I haven't had to do that for, you know, over a year. And, it was really to be weird. Clear, it's not like we've just met. We've known each other for a while. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, I think I think collectively we're going to be fine, like experiencing things like that. They're just really like, whoa, like didn't expect that, you know, just um, I guess as we sort of readapt to oh, life. Yeah. You know? And the other thing that started that whole conversation off was as we're drinking our coffee there, we had coffee and mugs, actual ceramic oh, yeah. mugs, not paper cups. Uh -huh. And that, that's the first thing that blew me away. I'm like, wait, I'm drinking out of a mug, not a, not a paper cup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the one that's standing out to me in education, and Aaron, I don't know if you're experiencing this, but like uh, students in our building, um, they've been back now for maybe a month. And we had like a week off before they came back where it was sort of like the week before school normally starts in the fall where we get like prep days and everything gets ready and teachers decorate their bulletin boards and stuff. So that happened. And like really quickly, it's like, it felt like the beginning of a school year, but we're in May. Yeah. And so that happened for like two or three weeks. And here we are now. And now it's like, Whoa, there's only like three weeks left. And all of a sudden it's this abrupt pivot to like, now it's the end of the school year. Uh, <laughs> end of the school year right. And it just is it, I don't know, that stuff plays weird, weird little tricks on your mind, you know? Yeah, totally. I think it'll just be really interesting kind of collectively to see how, you know, 10 years from now we talk about it. I I was watching um, some Instagram stories uh, before logging on with you guys. And um, a, f a couple of friends from college had like their 
um, their three or four year old at Disneyland and they're all masked. But then like in the background, it's like everyone's masked. And I'm just like, whoa, uh, you know, I had the opportunity to go to Disneyland as a kid and, um, you know, like some family photos or whatever. And it's like, those are, those are ingrained memories of that place. And for that kid specifically, when he grows up and sees like, Oh, I went to Disneyland. It's like, Oh, his Disneyland experience was all masks, you know? <laughs> yeah. Just these little things kind of, I don't know, make you go. Hmm. Interesting. So Trevor, one thing you mentioned about uh, like the open houses uh, or happy hours for the Swift Summit in different towns that uh, you were you were visiting. Um, the one thing I wanted to mention about that also that you had here in Portland anyway, I think you also did it down somewhere else, um, was the the actual handing out of the race numbers. Um, yeah. The, the custom handmade race numbers. Talk, can you talk a little bit about that and why you decided to do that? Yeah, um, we did. Yeah, we did. So those were like a packet pickup as the event got closer, right? And um, uh, I think probably just sort of to feed that creative niche of mine um, and having summers off, having more free time to do some creative stuff and and pour it or align it into um, into the event. What I wanted to do is yeah, make like these cool custom custom numbers uh or, or race bibs i think the first year we did just this like kind of cool canvasy fabric and just like through um i don't remember if we silk screened or not uh maybe a stamp um but did that and like threw numbers on there and passed them out i think that first year we only had like 50 people so it wasn't like a huge a huge labor um the next year yeah bought these cool um not letterpress, but just like these cool, uh, wood block prints, um, and wood block printed them all on a, on a similar canvas, uh, style material or fabric, um, and had people pin those on. That was really cool. Um, and there's something unique, right? Like, mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I, I am a person who, when I go to an event and I get just sort of like the mass produced, uh, race plate or, or number or whatever, you know, I, I like to hang it on my garage wall or whatever. Um, but it, after the first year and seeing like people took their numbers and like frame them, you know, and like put them in these cool little like shadow boxes and stuff. I was like, Whoa, this is um, like, these mean something to somebody uh, or, or to people a lot more than maybe I anticipated. And um, it just seemed like another opportunity to bring um, participants like into the experience, like to kind of give them a sense of ownership um, that it, that it's more than just something like they showed up and, um, kind of like, Oh, I paid for this event. I showed up and I did this thing. Like they get to have a hand, like in their journey, if you will. Right. Um, I guess kind of using like a metaphor around that. Um, but the, I think the one that you're talking about, so it went moved from the fabric because, um, it started to be a little bit more, uh, tedious quantity wise to make them on the fabric. Cause there's more participants. Um, I think I just bought the like, um, kind of like pro either triathlon, little, uh, number tags that kind of come off your seat post. Um, and yeah, the packet pickup we had there at breadwinner cycles, sugar wheel works. Um, just started, like letting people, I think maybe it was just cause I, I drank too many beers before. 
but I was just like, let people stamp their own numbers. Like, I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, so like people would come up and they'd check in and I'm just like, what number do you like? And they're like, I don't know, 42, um, go for it. And, and had the number stamps there and people, right. We can't do this now because of COVID like no, like, <laughs> as little, as little touch as possible, but people would, um, stamp their own numbers. And then we just had like some fun, uh, little additional stamps, right? Like pine trees and just some very like Northwesterny, um, uh, stamps and people got to decorate them on their own. Yeah. That was really uh, fun. Yeah. I mean, if someone came up and they're like, Oh, I'd like 42 as well. It's like, well, sorry. Uh, I wish I, wish I could get it ever give everyone 42 if they wanted it, but that'd make things a little confusing. Um, yeah. I think, I think I chose zero, 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 but I think somebody else had chosen zero, zero, zero down in Eugene or something, but he was, he was doing the 200. So I oh, think we, yeah. were, we were good. Yeah. I think <laughs> probably along with those, uh, additional beers, there was some <laughs> that happened, but it all worked out well. And it was just cool to see people put their, put their creativity into it, you know, um, did like a little tutorial on how to attach it. Um, Leah Benson was at Gladys, uh, at the time and was able to like procure a bunch of old, uh, uh, reflector mounts that had like, I don't remember where she, where she got them from. Um, but we like, we took off the reflectors and then people could just put those on their seat post and, and fasten them with the screw there. And it like, I don't know. And it also looked kind of sharp, you know, like it's cool <laughs> to get like, sort of that pro tour style number, you know, hanging off the back of your bike. So, yeah, I think mine is still on. I think I left it on my road bike. Yeah, that's fun. Uh, did you put your top cap on? You still your top cap? I, d I haven't put it on because I don't, I don't, oh wait, maybe I did on my road bike. I, I have to double check. I don't yeah. ride my road bike that much. So that's fair. That's fair. Um, oh, but you mentioned Gladys. So, uh, can you talk about, was that a partnership with Gladys or how did that work with Gladys with the Century Curious Club? Yeah. Um, man, how did my relationship with Leah develop? Um, I, I believe I knew of Gladys bike shop. Um, when I, when I'd moved to Portland, I, you know, I just started to get a, an understanding of all the shops, right. Um, word of mouth, things like that. And then I don't remember if it was a sprocket podcast or something else, but Leah was on with Eric Tonkin, um, of solid cycles and they were having a dialogue. Um, and I, I mean, I really couldn't tell you what it was about right now, other than like, it just like her, what it sounded like was like Leah's values of just like giving people the opportunity to, to grow, um, challenge themselves, like, become parts of communities and just sort of like facilitating that for people, giving people the tools, like it totally stood out to me. Um, and I was like, I gotta, I gotta meet this, this human. Um, so I sent an email, um, and we met at, uh, the old Hopworks um, up in North Portland and had, had some dinner and just started chatting and it, it just kind of naturally became a really good fit. Um, Lee, Leah really was wanting to like push 
for that inclusive community like I was wanting to uh, with the event and kind of make this thing that wasn't um, just race your bike, go fast, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we did that. The That was the second year. And then I believe it was the third year that the Century Curious Club came together. Um, I think the first year there was just sort of like, a, hey, are you interested in doing 100? Like, let's get together and do some do some training rides together. But it wasn't until that third year that it became a little bit more official. And that Century Curious Club was put together, um, which was, you will know more than, than I do about this, Armando, but I believe, right, it was, it was a group of people who had never ridden a Century before, correct? Correct. Yeah. and 10 or, people, or wanted to train for it. Wanted to train for it. And then there, I think there's like 10, 10 to 15 of you. Uh, I think there were 10... 10 to 12 of us that actually rode mm-hmm. in a Swift, but I, there were many more that were in the, uh, the actual training yeah, group. Training. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really cool. And then like Jackie, I think was a part of, I guess we'd call it the double century curious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the 200 with Leah. Um, but yeah, that was great. It, I mean, it just kind of like, you know, it makes me sad because we just had a lot of momentum after that third year. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, last year having to put it on the back burner. So I feel like kind of having to like make up some lost time, not, not necessarily make up some lost time, but sort of replant, replant the seed of like, Hey, here's what was going on, you know, and like kind of re restoke that flame for some people. Um, I think especially now, I mean, in hindsight, it was just really bananas. Like in a way, like, you know, the second year of Swift Summit was when there was there was the whole debacle around equal pay and uh, between male and female categories. And should mm-hmm. females be paid as much as men? And it was like, um, you know, well, there needs to be just as many of them in order to get paid out the same. And I just remember like sitting back and watching this thing unfold. And it was ironic to me because one, it's like, it's happening in Obra, like, the sanction, you know, it's, it's a sanctioning body. There are really successful, strong athletes. There, there are cyclists within that, that participate in Ober that go on and do higher level things, you know, national and world level things. But at the same time, like to me, it's just like, it's, it's sort of a really homegrown, like, um, I don't know, in a way, like if you build it, they will come type thing. You know, it's like, it's for people to get together and, and ride bikes and, and, and like challenge themselves race what it compete but i don't know i'm not making like i'm not paying my bills well i'm definitely not paying my bills. <laughs> <laughs> payouts you know um and i'm not sure i know anyone who is but um that whole argument was happening of uh, like should this happen in over and to me it's just like this is, this is stupid. Like, this is, this is really ridiculous, you know? And I, it was specifically around the idea, like 200 miles is 200 miles. Like if you can sit on a bike and ride 200 miles, um, and you're female and you know, you're a male and you ride 200 miles, like you both, in my opinion, deserve the same amount of cash, you know? And, uh, and accolades, whatever, like just, just equal recognition, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and so that was like, you know, the momentum we carried from the second year. And then, and then the third year was when um, we decided, cause, cause then the argument 
it grew from just equal pay to um, gender categories. And that became a big one. And like uh, persons who identify um, outside the traditional binary, like where, where, which category can they race in? And there was like some attempts to be like, well, we have this like open sort of beginner category and that will work. And it's just like, again, this is just like, bullshit <laughs> like this is this, this shouldn't be a hard dialogue you know yeah um and so then that third year we we're just like we're gonna have an open non-binary category um and i think we had like three people that that um that signed up in that category that year and it was cool you know like um it just felt like a real like a real privilege to be able to do that um and and like i said it kind of like it's a bummer. And then last year we just sort of the conversation stopped, you know, or had to put on pause. So, um, yeah. And I, I mean, I feel really, I really, I feel really grateful to Leah um, and just some of the other, uh, uh, some, some other people on the gladiators team mm-hmm. who, um, were good resources and like making some of those steps and developments, you know, I'm, I'm just like a white cis male. Like I, you know, um, I I always have like learning and growing to do, and and I, I felt really um, grateful to some of those people to be able to have be able to have those dialogues. Like how how do we do this in a way that is meaningful um, and uh, helpful and like supportive, you know, to mm-hmm. all the various communities that we want to have at this event, you know. So the so the event is held in Lebanon, Oregon, correct? Correct. And, yep. Le- and, and Lebanon was chosen because why? Well, I grew up in Lebanon and graduated high school from there. Um, and that is where I, uh, I guess, kind of started my cycling career, if you will. Um, I bought, oh man, how long has it been? There was an organized century ride there for a while um it still is uh but i had always known it to be i'd known it since i was a, a little kid and some friends who rode bikes i didn't at the time were talking about riding 100 miles and um i was like oh i can do that uh it was very foolish <laughs> and um i think i just went out and bought a bike and um ended up, I only rode like the 50 miler on a whim and kind of sit on my butt for a while after that. Um, but that was kind of my, my launch into cycling. And I was living in Lebanon at the time and it was, there's just something really, uh, sounds cheesy, but like sacred to those roads to me. Mm-hmm. Um, one, they're designed great. Like pretty much all those roads have, a shoulder. Um, and, and it's specifically because it's a, it's a, a big, um, it's like the grass seed capital of the world, Lynn County for, for harvesting grass seed. And so the roads are wider just because in the summer you have tractors in they you know, people need to be able to pass them safely. Um, so you basically get like bike lane on all these, um, back count, back County roads. Um, the century event that I was talking about in Lebanon, uses some some roads that are similar to swift summit but because that's i think more of a um how would i describe it uh uh, it's just like your recreational century Mm -hmm. 
it avoids some of the more steeper climbs, longer grades, things like that. And so when I started thinking about, well, which roads do I want to take the sw- the summiteers on? Uh, <laughs> uh, I, like, I, like, I like that name for them, by the way. <laughs> uh, the summiteer is like the Mickey Mouse Club, right? The yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was like, I want to take them on all the big ones, um, which was <laughs> the ones that the other event leaves out. Um, which also, though, like some of those I hadn't ridden, you know. And and there's kind of this moment of like, well, you can't ask people to ride them if you haven't ridden them, you know. So like going out and doing some scouting um, of these roads, which like you know kind of pushed me more as a cyclist um and uh yeah so when I chose Lebanon I mean it was just one the proximity to where I grew up and like those roads meaning a lot to me and wanting to bring people there um but then like I have a lot of um acquaintances and stuff and like in in the business world there uh that have businesses in Lebanon and like um it's a cool town uh it reminds me um not quite. Uh, I, I lived in Kansas for a while, um, south of Emporia, where Dirty Kansas or now Unbound Gravel, uh, and there was something really cool when I when I went to Emporia, where I just saw like this, you know, this small little Main Street USA just be flooded with cyclists and these small businesses being supported and. Um, I just wanted to do that. Like, it was just like my friends have breweries in Lebanon. My friends, you know, have donut shops in Lebanon. <laughs> like, um, Lebanon's just got cool parks. And like, I just wanted to bring people in there, you know, and kind of show them, um, not necessarily where I grew up, but like this really special place of the Lambert Valley that, um, I don't know, to me, I just feel like, um, it's a John Steinbeck novel. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, yeah. I was going to ask you about, um, I remember a few years back, a couple of years back at least, uh, when you were posting on social media about scouting for the Swift Summit. So, so you do scout the, the entire, both rides? Yeah. At this point, I mean, I know most of those roads, like the back of my hand, you uh-huh. know? Um, and so at the, the mapping madness at this point is more like, huh, if I were, if I were climbing such and such road, which road <laughs> should I hate to have to climb next? <laughs> no, um, I am making it sound like it's like a, like a, a torture, intentional torture fest. It's not I, just kind of like. I guess, again, going back to like that idea of curating, like, and maybe in the idea of route making of like orchestrating, like this experience, like you're going to have, you know, you're going to climb this road that's going to take your breath away, like literally, because it's a, a, a hard climb and you're going to descend down through this like beautiful, like uh, some like beautiful timberland, you know, and then all of a sudden you're going to pop you out along like the Kalapuya river. And in a way, like making it this, um, uh, like a slideshow in a way, you know, I I don't know if the people who are at the front of the pack are as in tune with that. Um, 
and I'm not saying it's like incredibly intentional, like, oh, and then Armando, I'm going to give Armando, <laughs> I'm going to give Armando or Aaron a dose of a waterfall. And once you get to the waterfall, like, you know, I'm going to send him by the, the bluebirds are going to be singing over in this tree, you know? Um, but from like the route designing piece, for me, there is sort of like um, a connection in that way, you know, and just having, if I look back on some of those, some rides I've done in that area and how maybe emotional experiences I've had or whatever, like I want people to be able to maybe have emotional experiences. I think that have been good. Um, maybe people be able to have that as well, like through going through these environments. Right. Like, um, yeah. It's funny you say that I, I can't imagine, you know, well, I, because I'm a slower writer, uh, I can't imagine being one of the first finishers and how different it would look, uh, of the 100 anyway, how different it would look coming in, coming back into town on that, you know, on that route. Because as one of the slower finishers coming in, like getting closer towards sunset when the sun is setting and the, the light on those fields and just, you know, it was one that, that after that big last climb and you come down and the rest of the way, you know, it's just because there's no more no more hills <laughs> you know but you're riding into the sun the sun and it's just beautiful you know yeah you know it's, if i was any faster i wouldn't have seen that yeah it's uh so that time the event is um about the middle of august and depending on on weather um is usually right around the end of like harvest time for the grass seed farmers mm -hmm. um and so, yeah, there is, uh, again, kind of like Steinbecky, this bu bucolic, like, um, like just you can see the, the grains of the, the grass pollen or grass dust in the air, you know, and like the sun's glowing off of that, like you said. And it's, um, yeah, I guess like I was saying, like, you know, I've had a lot of magical spiritual, if you will, moments out on those roads very similar times of like you said like the sun hit perfect and there it was and you know i'm shedding a tear or whatever <laughs> um but for those people man those some of those people at the front are just wicked fast and um i think it's i think it's super dope that that they can do that um it blows my mind but uh i think you know i think the party pace is the pace for me <laughs> <laughs> So, so Trevor, um, there were, uh, I'm on the Swift summit homepage. There were a couple other events, um, that I don't know if you were planning on having them last year or they were maybe planned for this year. Um, the Mohawk Valley metric century and the hop head hundred. Can you talk a little bit about those? Yeah. Um, so the Mohawk Valley Metric Century um, and the Hop at Hunter, two other events that um, I, well, one that I've had the opportunity to curate, uh, procure, procure. Um, and another one that was in the hopper, no no pun intended, the hop head was in the hopper. Uh, I guess it's not a pun, but uh, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, and, then, and then COVID, the COVID mania. So... The Mohawk Valley Metric Century for a long time was um, an event. It's down uh, outside of Eugene. Um, it's kind of 
past some different hands for over time. I can't remember how long it's been uh, in existence specifically, but um, the bicycle club Eugene Velo down down in Eugene um, got their got their hands on her. We're, we're able to be the the hosts or whatever, and um, they asked me to help them out and. Um, the event was a fundraiser for the Oregon supported living program. And that's what really drew me to it because, um, working in special education, the Oregon supported living program is, um, man, it's kind of like the, it's kind of both of my worlds combined. It, um, supports, um, adults with disabilities have access to like recreational and artistic opportunities. Um, so giving them like, uh, providing like art workshops and um, they have like a gallery show and, and they sell their works and it was just like super cool um, seeing this happen. Um, so it's a fundraiser for the Oregon Supported Living Program. And there's some more uh, sort of changes. And then um, I had the opportunity of just becoming the, the promoter curator of that event. So um, last year, uh, we were going to make the shift um, that the event was going to be a fundraiser for the NICA GRIT program. And uh, what was it? Like two, maybe three years ago now, the NICA, which is the National Interscholastic Cycling Association, um, in short, it's like youth high school mountain bike racing. Um, they started an Oregon league. My friends, Heather and Kurt came up from California and started uh, an Oregon league. Um, and that's really cool. Cause it, it kind of helps target, I guess the way I put it, like uh, kids that normally wouldn't just show up with their parents to an over bike race. Uh, Cause their parents are doing it or whatever. Like those kids that they're helping get on bikes and kind of giving them an outlet for like future recreation. Um, but the grit is the girls, girls riding together. Girls riding, the I stands for intentionally together, um, impressively together. Which I'd have to go back and look, but um, it's kind of just like, uh, yeah, girls, girl mountain biking, um, and it's really, just, it's really cool just seeing like. Um, the NICA and Oregon League's sort of mission about getting, you know, more girls on bikes and sort of empowering women. Um, and so the Mohawk Valley last year was going to be a, a fundraiser for the, for the NICA girls grit here in Oregon. Um, and then the Hophead events, that was a new one. Um, at the time I was living in Salem and was sort of getting a taste of roads out around uh, the independence area and sort of that like, still the valley but but north of corvallis lebanon area and um wanted that to be a to be a fundraiser just for the oregon mountain bike league in general um and having different teams help run the aid stations and just bringing more awareness to the oregon mountain bike league um they too had to kind of take a, a, a they had to call an audible last year, you know, they didn't get to have their race season teams still practiced in ways that were safe um, and physically distanced. But um, yeah, I wanted to, I started to learn the roads down around independence and they were really cool. And um, I wanted to, to put an event together for that. And 
the that area around independence historically um has been like the hop farming capital of the world the state like you go back through like their um you can go look at like their archived historic photos and there's just like fields and fields of of hop fields you know and rogue has excuse me rogue beer has a big hop farm and presence down there and so uh it made sense to call it the hop head um and put 100 on it and work that <laughs> that h alliteration um but yeah there's like uh four routes what do we do we named we named them after uh hop varieties um there's like the centennial hop which was the um the 100 mile or the admiral um i forget what we named the other one and then the uh put together like a little family route that we called the the nugget <laughs> oh that's a good one yeah, so that was kind of fun. So this year, um, gearing up to have the hop head again, and um, a friend of mine named Ramon Martinez, he he is uh, last year, maybe the year before that, he's put on a, a like a 5K, 10K run out of Independence called the Hop Run. And we started talking that it would be cool to kind of link those together because sometimes what I've seen is like, you know, one person will come to the event who, uh, like, like a couple or, or two people come to an event and like one cycles and then the other one's standing around and I'll start talking to them. I'm like, oh, do you ride bikes? They're like, no, I run more or, you know, or, mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, so kind of making it an opportunity for people to like, you know, if my partner came down to ride and I wanted to run, I could run that day and they could ride and, and making it just more of a, um, more opportunity for people to participate but what's really cool and uh, i just i i talked to ramon today and i'm just like super giddy for him uh he he works uh for the city i can't remember specifically what his title is but has a lot of influence around like community development and things like that um and he started this uh free event in in independence called uh oh drop the hammer but it's overall it's called bike indie and uh drop the hammer weekend is what he's calling it so people are, are being like uh this can sign up for free and he puts together like i don't know two routes three routes different lengths some have gravel some don't um he makes these like strava segments for people that do want to quote like drop the hammer and then he's just gotten the whole community of independence behind this and like they've had they've had two two weekends of this uh i think they did in april and then just this last weekend they did one and he's having like a great turnout like people are just showing up and then he gives everyone it's called a bike indie pass it's like a little business card of sorts and you know people stay in the community after they ride and go show your your bike indie pass at different businesses and get like a discount or a free pint or something oh that's cool um and they're just doing a whole lot to like cultivate sort of cycling and cycling tourism. And, and I think in the, like the same beat is Swift summit. Like if you want to come down and just like kick ass and ride your bike fast, come do it. If you want to just come down and like ride your bike and enjoy the scenery and get a good burger, you know, afterwards, come do that too, you know? Um, so I'm really excited to see what like that, what comes of that when he's curating and then um, just being able then to like have a home for the hop head there, like independence just 
they're super receptive to that stuff. I know they have a hiker biker camp there, uh, which is really cool. Um, so that might be, you know, some place that people want to check out. And uh, yeah, so those are the two events that we got going. Cool. Uh, there's one more thing I wanted to ask you about. Uh, the Swift Summit takes place on August 14th, which is a uh -huh. Saturday, uh, 100 or 200 mile race. Um, but something's happening on the 15th. Yeah. Um, so I got a wild hair a couple of years ago and it was when I was coming back from Brownsville, which is Brownsville is, uh, outside of Lebanon, just sort of a little farming community. Um, it is actually where a lot of the movie stand by me was filmed. Um, they have the stand by me days there, which is really cool. And you can go see where like Gordy lived and um, whatnot. But anyways, there's a big hill when you're when you're going between Lebanon and Brownsville. And uh, at the top of that hill, you turn and there's another big hill that goes up to a radio tower. And there's some homes up there. It's called Washburn Heights. And uh, I decided it would be fun. I use fun loosely. <laughs> to, uh, offer the opportunity on Sunday for people to do sort of a, um, a hill climb time trial. Nice. Start in Brownsville. Pretty like informal. I, I, at least this first year, I don't see it being like wicked, uh, like arrow helmets. It's, it's not going to be like Crybaby Hill in Tulsa. Uh, I mean, I don't, I've seen Crybaby Hill. I don't know the exact grades on that. It looks really steep, but um, I imagine this time trial on Sunday will be like, all right, well, who's next? And someone will be like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And so it's about five miles, just really beautiful rolling country hills. And you start climbing this hill and like, hopefully, you, you know, you're like, man, this is my last match. I'm climbing this hill. And then you got to turn to the right. And it's like another mile and a half to the top, and it's like 11 to 13%. Ooh. So uh, it's a really beautiful view at the top. It's where, like, kids in high school used to drive up there and make out. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so then what we'll do is uh, take the times from Saturday and the times from Sunday and do uh, overall best combined times in the categories and kind of give an overall uh, – I guess like a summiteer award, if you will. <laughs> and yeah, just like see how that goes. There, there's been some like cool people are interested in it. At least they might not be afterwards, um, but it just sounded like another fun thing to do. Um, you know, I, I really just like this idea of like getting friends together and and seeing like friends circles come to just play bikes for the weekend. You know, so it seemed like another way to kind of like keep people around and keep the fun keep the fun going. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind going and watch people do that. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, one thing we were talking about um, is like, you know, you watch like the the pro tour on television, and I don't know, you get like the person in a speedo running up the hill with a the cyclist up a climb, and not that I want that to specifically happen because I don't know. I don't know what kind of repercussions there'd be for that, but it, you know, in my head I do, and it would be cool like to have people standing alongside that climb and like ringing cowbells and just cheering people on or like, 
doing some dollar hand ups, you know, or whatever, um, would be really cool. So even if, even if a person isn't interested in toasting their legs, uh, on day two, like I, I welcome anyone to come hang out and, and kind of help keep the energy going, you know? Yeah. It's, it sounds, it sounds super fun. Yeah. <laughs> Use, using fun loosely. <laughs> so, Yeah. Well, cool. Is there anything else you want to mention that we haven't talked about? Oh, man. Oh, I mean, I could probably talk with you guys forever. You're pretty <laughs> oh, nice. in general. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just, I'm really curious to see how, not necessarily how cycling and how like our communities bounce back from the pandemic, but like, at least for me, you know, the pandemic has been, um, is really caused like a shift in how I make meaning of, of things and like things just like sort of umbrella, just like, what are we doing on planet earth? Like what's life about? And like, how do I, how do I prioritize and like, what do I find value in, you know? And I mean, I'm thinking like right now, just sitting and talking with you guys, if I were on my ride home to get hit by a car, like this was a really enjoyable meaningful way to like live my life you know and so i'm just like kind of anxious to that was really morbid sorry <laughs> uh, i hope it made sense though kind of what i was saying but like i'm really excited to see how how that like weaves itself into the swift summit like like i was saying like it's been a real privilege to see what the swift summit has like meant for people in different ways right like yeah. some people i mean people have written like how the whole experience has changed their life you know and it's like wow that's that's really rad and i'm i'm privileged to be like to know that or they shared it with me you know and so i like i just i'm really looking forward to seeing how that the the pandemic and stuff and coming back from that like weaves its way into this like you know are people are times going to slow down because people want to savor the experience a little bit more, you know, like, um, as we like kind of, uh, swing back into like being able to be around community and like friends, is there, is that like bond of community, like people showing, you know, I think of like the century curious club and, and like the gladiators and, and other teams that have shown up of like, it's going to be cool to see just how much more like tight knit and adhesive those communities become. And it's just like, I don't know. I, I, I am like, man, I, I sometimes wonder, you know, I don't put on anyone else's events, but I wonder, wonder if other events or promoters kind of have like, not, not a cookie cutter, but like, Hey, this is how we execute this because this pays my bills. And like, I get this many people out of it. Like, not that it's just that, formulaic but like just scripted in a way just so like it can be pulled off and i'm just like whoa i i mean i'm i'm steering this shit but like we're sort of at the mercy of the winds you know mm -hmm. uh, and uh i'm really excited to see how that comes together um you know i want uh i want as many people to show up and just like come experience experience the event um yeah uh you were talking about um 
you'd mentioned to me like you're putting together like a BIPOC group, yeah? Yeah, um, and Aaron and I actually have been riding uh, some rides with the BikePOC group. Uh, it's a yeah. group here in, it's, well, it's not just in Portland, but it, it's, I think it started here in Portland. And there are a lot of people in it. There are over 100 people in it, in the group. It's so great to see, yeah, all these people of of color just taken to the streets and, and uh, of the adventure ride that we had, um, like with the mixed terrain. Um, I think there were times where like bystanders, and I, I say this like as such a good thing, like bystanders seeing just all these black and brown faces riding by on these trails you know, and, and like seeing this as like, Oh my gosh, like I didn't, I didn't know it was this many people <laughs> of color around here. That road bikes. I, yeah. Yeah. That road bikes. Like I, I see this as such a, such a great step forward for, uh, you know, you talk about, um, uh, equity in, in the bike community. Um, I think we got a long ways to go, but I think this is such a, such a, the bike pot group was such a great step forward for that. That's awesome. That's yeah. Um, yeah Armando had mentioned it, but a hundred people, that's, that's amazing. And I, I just, I mean, I, I can't imagine being a person in the BIPOC community, but having that many people standing behind you has got to be like the most empowering, like, Oh, totally experience ever right and and i imagine sort of that energy like just like you're saying and there's a long way to go but you can kind of feel that that momentum is starting and it's just like whoa like yep. that's just a it kind of gives chills i think yeah it to be clear because i don't think this is this is what you meant to imply but we didn't armando and i like didn't like start this group at all this was this was started by by three other uh people um Right, right. I think what you were referring to is is Armando getting a group together to do the Swift Summit. Right. Yeah, that's what Armando was talking about with Okay. Me. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to be clear just in case it was a little ambiguous for, <laughs> for listeners. Um does who did start it? I mean, is that does the person care to be named? Is Oh yeah, we've oh, had no, him on they, the show. Yeah, we we've, oh, we've had all three of them on the show. Yeah, yeah Suko, Will, and Silas. Um yeah, just great people with a, with a mind for community building. Yeah. I love it. Um, I'm really in support of it. I'm excited to see how that goes. It's, I mean, that's another thing that's been on my mind. Um, I kind of had this like, man, it was a sad experience recently with Swift summit stuff. Um, somebody had gotten on the Instagram feed and um, they started calling out pictures uh, where the person, they just got on there and said, male, male, male. And I've seen similar things happening on social media recently and people uh, responding to like event pages and, and saying, hey, you have a higher representation of, of males than females in your, in your photography. And it's like, I get it. Like that, that makes sense, you know? Um, but when I say it was sad and, and I, man, I, I kind of regret being a little bit ornery, but I went back as this person, cause it just kept notifying, like they were just on a hall going through this. Um, so I went through and like pictures of, of people who identify female, I just started tagging this person on there. Like, 
And, and then I, like, I thought to myself, it's very, in a way, it's almost assumptive. Like, there's a big assumption there that the person that you're calling male identifies as male. Like, unless you know that person, right? And then, like, I wanted to, you know, like, point out um, what else is going on there. Like, um, you know, disabled vet. Like, this person is a disabled vet that, like, we brought into the and they wanted to ride their bike or whatever you know like it man it just made me sad because uh, and i like i wrote this person uh like a message that was like i i wish that you wouldn't have been so quick to to attack and that maybe like we could have had a dialogue about like the open like or the non-binary group you know or like equal pay and just like some of these strides have tried to make to be more inclusive um, you know, like less, less quick to attack and maybe more curious on how to be like an ally. Um, because the mission I think that that person was trying to accomplish is going to be accomplished a lot quicker through allyship than, than throwing bombs at each other, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I'm excited to hear things about like this, the BIPOC community, um, growing the the cycling community that you're talking about and like i guess feeling honored that that um a variety of groups feel like the swift summit is a place that they can come be a part of you know a bike race you know for lack of better words so yeah i don't know it's all wild times man it's all really wild times so. Well, cool. Thank you, Trevor. Thanks for being on the show. Uh, we were glad to have you, and nice to see your face after so long. And yeah, I like definitely seeing... glad to speak to you. Yeah, it was good. I appreciate you having me on here. It's been a while. Sure. Well, we'll yeah. let you go because I feel bad that you're still at work. But <laughs> oh, I can't. I came back to the office. Oh, to okay. Be <laughs> a bit more comfortable than sitting at the kitchen table. Got it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. So cool. All yeah, right. Thank. I look forward to seeing you in person right now. Yeah. Yes. We'll, we'll stay in touch. All right. Sounds All right. good. Later. Thanks, Trevor. Over now. We got mail. Hey, we got mail. All right. We did receive mail, um, but we're going to have a request from the mail that we received because we received an email from Bradley Bolch, who lives in Springfield, Missouri. And him and his wife Jennifer rode the Tulip Festival, and he sent a great yeah. he sent a, um, some photos and a, a great write up that he said was going to appear in his local paper, um, but I don't know what local paper that is, and I don't have a link to it, so I want to I want to be able to include a link to it. So hopefully, so, Bradley, if you're listening, this um, is mail with a caveat or yeah. mail with a request. Send, send in. Uh, Send in that link so we can post yeah. the article. But the pictures were great. It looked a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it makes me want to go to Springfield for for the Tulip Festival. Yeah. Well, we have, uh, we have the, uh, what's the one that we have in Oregon? I don't know. <laughs> it's not a, it's not a bike ride, though. Do you know the uh, one down in uh, near Silverton or something? What is it? You get some help uh, back there? <laughs> Anna's about to run the food processor. Oh, okay. Hang on. No, no, it's fine. 
<laughs> okay. I thought she was saying what the uh, the flower festival is. Hold on, Silverton Flower Festival. It's not Silverton. It's north of Silverton. North of Silverton. Well, it's called. Is it Tulip? I'm gonna have to edit all of this out. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Guthrie, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm this way. You didn't see all the flowers show up in your in your social media. I got nothing, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm coming up, coming up blank. All right, forget it. Then. Oh, flower festival. It's not the Sunflower Festival. I'm looking right now. It's not the Midsummer Festival. Five flower festivals that prove Oregon is heaven on earth. Ew. I don't know. Oh. It's not the Oregon Tulip Festival in <laughs> Woodburn. Yeah, Woodburn. What is that? Is it tulips? It's it's the Oregon Tulip Festival and Wooden Shoe and Tulip Festival. I don't think they call it that, though, is it? Anyway, there's that garden. All right, well, don't put, don't do any of this, Guthrie. We'll do it. We'll figure <laughs> Sorry, it out. Guthrie. <laughs> All right. Uh, Regardless, Bradley, thank you for the write-up. Thank you for sending yeah, those thanks pictures. Yeah, for sending it in. We'll, we'll post them. Uh, all right, I guess... Uh, We'll wrap it up now, huh? Yeah, by the sound of the kitchen utensils being <laughs> tossed around the kitchen. The Sprocket Podcast is produced at home. Our website is thesprocketpodcast.com. Email to thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com. Call or text to 503-847-9774. Twitter and Instagram at sprocketpodcast. Thanks to Ryan J. Lane for our theme music. Herbert for our headline sounder. Marcus Norman for graphic design. And thanks to the generous support of our Patreon supporters and listeners. Shadowfoot, Wayne Norman, Cameron Lean. Richard Wazinski, Tim Mooney, Glenn Kubish. Eric Wise, Doug Cohen-Miller, Chris Smith. Caleb Jenkinson, J.P. Cooley, Peanut Butter Jar Matt. Marco Lowe, Rich Otterstrom, Through the Welder. Anna... Something, something about the food processor. Andre Johnson, Richard G. Guthrie Straw, Aaron Green, author of We Were Like Sons and founder of Their Granary. Campsite, Mac Nurse David, Jeremy Kitchen. David Belay, Tim Coleman, Harry Hugel. EJ Finneran, thanks for putting on a show in your driveway, even though I didn't make it. Brad Hipwell, Thomas Skato. Same. Keith Hutchinson, <laughs> Ranger Tom, Joyce Wilson. Ryan Tam, Jason Oftenberg, David Moore, Todd Grosbeck, Chris Barron, Chris Barron, Chris, Chris Barron, Sean Baird, Simon Pace, Gregory Braithwaite, Dude Luna, hey, that's me, hey, Emma Rooks, Kaka, Kaka, Philip M, Spartan Dale, Mr. T, who never really left, Bike Initiative, Kiwana, Sarah G, Adam D, Go Dig a Ho, Beth Hammond, Greg Murphy, Myra Martinez Oso, Isaac M., Byron Patterson, Kirsten Graham, Aaron G., Rachel Moline, Jimmy Diesel, and our newest sponsor, Christopher Barnett. And all of our former supporters who helped us get this far along the way. Wear your helmet if you want. 
Wear your high-vis clothing if you want. Wear your retro reflectors, Joan. <laughs> <laughs> With your fancy showers pass retro reflector <laughs> map jacket. All right. All right. Good night, everybody. Go to bed.